Hey, thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from our guest speaker. We have a guest speaker today. Yeah. This guy's amazing. This guy's really amazing. Um, his name is Robert Battle. Come on over here. Come on, Robert. Robert. Most of you, yeah. Most of you know Robert either from the beach trip or he's that guy falling over in the aisle and laughter up in the sanctuary yeah. frequently, right? So and, awesome. Under the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you know Robert from the beach trips? He's been on a couple in a row. Yeah, you guys know Robert and Paula, his awesome wife. So, and yeah. um, no, he's got a really radical, awesome story. And we've been talking this whole entire month or this whole summer on going my way, just inviting God along on your journey. And so we're like, let's get somebody in that's, like, not boring like Dylan and I. And, I mean, mean, but, no, somebody just with a fresh voice that's got a really crazy story of God chasing them down, being part of their journey, and just being a part of your whole deal, right? So that's Robert. What do you want to add, Dylan? I want to add that um, his arms are as big as my legs. Right. No, yeah, seriously. <laughs> anyway, no, Robert's that, huge. Like Jesus, when, when he comes into your life, he totally transforms you, you yeah. know. And so the things that he's done in Robert's life are amazing, but it's exactly what God does. So when you hear a story, like we've talked about this all the time, that the power of a testimony is like the spirit of prophecy. So what that means is like when somebody gives a testament, when somebody tells a story about their life, something that Jesus did for them, it's the easiest like thing about it is you go like, ah, he can do that for me. You like reach out and grab it and you go, oh, he did that for somebody else. It's an actual prophetic word to you that you can reach out and grab and go, if he did it for Robert, he can do it for me. So it's just such a, this is going to be an awesome story about God's power to transform a life. But, yeah, we just bless you, Robert. We think you're the total image of Jesus Christ, that you're representing the Father's love everywhere you go, and we love you so much. And in Jesus' name, we pray that you would just flood um, flood this room tonight with that, that same love and affection that comes through Robert everywhere he goes. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for, thank you for having me tonight. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to paint a picture of, uh, 2010, and I'm going to go and, and, and give you my roadmap on my life and my journey, but uh, 2010, I was just in despair. Um, I was at the end of my ropes, and I said, God, if you are real, you need to come to me, because I had wrote notes to all of my children. I'm not going to go into details, but I wrote notes to my children, and uh, one of my, my spiritual mother called me, and she goes, Robert, you need to go to Life Center. I got you got a word there for you. So I was like, okay. So I was like, okay, God, hey, you got to work. I was right. I was driving to my car. My marriage was failing. My Fortune 500 company that I was working with, I was failing. I was making $100,000 plus. I was failing everything. And I just said, God, you got to crash into my life because he knew what I was about to do. And uh, I came into church. And I just seen here this radical worship, which I never seen before in my life. I just, sorry, I just seen the love of God just like flowing out of people. Here I am, I was a broken vessel. I was broken. But everybody knows one word from God will just change your life, right? Oh, man. So uh, a pastor, uh, Eric Smith, stood up. And from 2008 to 2010, everything was shaky. I was addicted to... Ativan, 
You know, I would go to my doctor. I was eating it like candy because that's the only way I could function. And uh, Pastor Eric said, there's someone in this room that God is going to breathe life into you. And for those two years, I was walking around like everything was like black and white. You know, it was sunny out. It was black and white. I couldn't hear the birds chirping. I couldn't see the sun. I couldn't feel the rain. I couldn't feel nothing. I was numb. I was done. So I came in. I just got into a place of worship like I never got into before. And God, like, totally touched my heart. And I felt the breath of the Holy Spirit just enter me. And I just felt warm coming through me. I was just like, wow. It's like, God, you are good. And that just changed my life moving forward. But going back, I was born in 1965. Um, first generation here from Puerto Rico. Um, my mother had six kids. Six kids. My, my father had passed away when I was four years old. And I don't, I don't remember him. But uh, it, it was crazy. My mom hooked up with... Uh, this other guy. And uh, my mom was uh, just, she would just leave. And the one day she left, uh, this guy molested me and really scarred, scarred my heart, scarred my life and put so much anger and pain into me because I was like, God, I didn't even know God, but I was saying, God, why did this happen to me? It's okay. Next thing you know, I was in a Catholic school. I don't know how I got there. (laughs) It was second grade. I was in a Catholic school. And I was in writing class. And I was writing in a nun didn't like the way I was holding my pencil. And I didn't have any love in me. I was just coming off of uh, just a traumatic event that just happened to me. And I was just holding my pencil really hard. And she's like, tell me, let go, let it go, let it go. And I wouldn't let it go. (laughs) So she took a ruler. And I don't know if you guys know about the rulers with their straight edges. They had like a metal edge. She started beating my hand with it. And when she seen my hand start bleeding, I still have a scar here. She seen my, my hand, and she like went this, but she turned it around. She beat it again. So I was like, wow, I just went, and I bolted out of school. And I was like maybe seven. I don't know how old you are in, in second grade. So I was walking out, walking down the tracks. I was walking like a mile, you know, just like really mad, angry. I was ticked off. So the next morning I come to school, I was like, Walked down the railroad tracks again. I seen a rusty knife. And I took that knife. And I'm like, okay, payback. Because that's how angry I was at seven years old. I was an angry man. Boy, angry, angry kid. Uh, I'm a happy man now. But uh, <laughs> I'm full of joy. So the first time my experience with, was with the love of God is when this teacher, I was walking in, I had it to my side. Her name was Mrs. Paragrocery. I still remember her. She grabbed my arm, and I looked at her, and I seen these beautiful blue eyes looking at me. And I was like, I didn't know what I was looking at, but I was looking at love. And then she took me to the principal's office. She asked me what happened. I wouldn't speak to her. I didn't tell her. You know, she'd seen by with my hand. So she went into the uh, the fathers. That's what they call it, the fathers. And Moved me up to a third grade class. So that was my first journey, just feeling loved by somebody. The next thing you know, I was ripped out of Catholic school. I don't know what happened. Um, went into the, the uh, public school. Um, it was crazy. It was crazy. If you would sneeze at me, I was ready to fight with you. 
I remember I was walking down the street, and a sixth grader, I had my Kung Fu lunch kettle going to school. He started pushing my head, and I said, you better stop. He goes, oh, what are you going to do? I was probably like in third or fourth grade. I was like, what am I going to do? So I just turned around and I started beating him with my Kung Fu lunch kettle. <laughs> I beat him. Yeah. I beat him. I just like beat him to the ground and, and like his parents lived across the street. They're like yelling at me, what are you doing? What are you doing to my kid? I was like, I'm in fourth grade. He's in sixth grade. He's picking on me, whatever. I start cussing out the mom. Next thing you know, I got kicked out of that school. And like from there, I, I do not remember from that time on till I went, got to the junior high school. Um, junior high school, um, in, from sixth and going into seventh grade, I got turned on to smoking weed, into drinking, and it was fun, which I thought it was fun. But what I was doing, I was covering, I was covering the hurts that I had in my life. I was just like, like, wow, I felt good. But then at the next, you know, getting up or whatever, I was like, wow, I got to get that high again. I got to drink that beer again, you know. And long story short, I got into seventh grade. I got in some fights. I got like 70 nights detention. I was a big kid. So I was a big kid. So going in eighth grade, I'm sitting in Mr. Murky's detention hall. I had 70 nights detention. And another guy, his name was Bud Gatz. He was this Jewish fellow. He, he was a football coach. He comes up to me. He goes, you're a big kid. Why are you sitting in here? I see you're fighting with everybody. You're big. You're macho, whatever. He goes to me, if I can get you out of detention and you can hit somebody without getting in trouble, will you do it? I say, yes, <laughs> absolutely. You know, and I didn't play football till junior high school, but I watched football. I like football. I was like, okay. I could do this. So I would picture, this is how demented my head was. I would picture two trains, and I was the one train just colliding when I was playing linebacker, hitting people. I would hit through people. I would hurt people. And, and I liked it, and I enjoyed it. That's just the anger. And I was good at it. I was good at it. I had a future in football. But, like, after football season, Man, I, I got into partying, getting uh, hanging out with the wrong crowd, you know, getting hanging out with the older kids, thinking that they're cool, they're letting me fit in, which I, you know, I was a kid. I didn't know. My mom didn't have any structure in my house. I would come home 11, 12 o'clock at night, you know. I would go to school because I just wanted to play football. So I went, played, got into ninth grade. Did the same thing. I got moved up to varsity. I was starting as a ninth grader in varsity on special teams. Then I started hanging out with seniors. And I started partying with seniors and boozing with seniors. I was like, man, I'm cool. I'm in the end thing. So like in ninth grade, my life really changed radically. My mom, she met another guy. When the Cubans came in 1977, she met a, a Cuban guy that came in and he came in riding in in his Lincoln Continental. I'm like, wow, who's this dude? What's he about? So I was like, cool. But you know what? He paid attention to me, but he didn't give me the right attention. He was teaching me how to be a hustler at ninth grade, hustling. 
at ninth grade, I was involved in one of the biggest drug dealing activity in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. True story. Google it. True story. I was involved with it. So I went through, I played baseball, played football, um, dealt drugs in school. You know, it was a cool thing. It was like in the 70s and the 80s with sex, drugs, and rock and roll, which I thought was cool, but it's not cool. <laughs> Jesus is way cooler. Feeling, feeling, being filled with the Holy Spirit is way cooler. Being drunk on the Holy Spirit is way fun. Rolling around on the ground and worshiping God and just being struck by the Holy Spirit, that's so much cooler. Better than waking up with a hangover. I w- and then I, I, I moved on. So like 10th, 11th grade, I was running a crew. And I was cr- running a crew of men that were in jail because I was my stepfather's right-hand man. I was running to Miami with him, coming on a plane, bringing kilos of cocaine. I was heading to New York, running cocaine. I thought it was cool. I was driving at that time a 1976 Cadillac. It was a light, long blue, and I thought I was the bomb diggity. But you know what? I had a mark on my back. All those men that spent time in the penitentiary that I was running out on the street, like at 16, 17 years old, you know what? I just had to say one word. My stepfather, Carlos, would just say, hey, go run that money. Drop this off. They didn't have the money. Drop it off. And... Like, they disrespect me, which, you know, it would say, hey, you disrespect me. He sent some other people and beat them right there and say, you never t- talk to this guy like this again because this is going to be more of it. It was just like it was a power. It was a control that I was going over. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. But I'm going to tell you how good God is. I was a senior. I was getting ready to graduate. But God gave me a dream. And I was in the dream. This was just crazy. This is another time when I was like, wow, this happened to me. I was in the dream. I was sitting in a cell. And I could see my young self, and I was depressed. And, and the dream was showing me that I was getting ready to hang myself. And I woke up, and I was scared. And I heard something inside of me. I didn't know what it is, but I know what it is right now. You got to go. So I was like three weeks from graduation. I didn't go to my graduation. I had, you know, all my credits. I was a good student by doing this. You know what I mean? I, I did the work. I did the minimal work I had to do to graduate. All my teachers just passed me along because they knew what I was about. So I said, okay, I got to get out of here. I went to the Army recruiter, met with Mike, a recruiter. He had to be a Christian guy because I seen his Bible right there. And he, I said to him, hey, listen, I need to be on the first thing out of here. I need to go. And he asked me why. And I just said, you don't want to know why. You really don't. I said, I need to go. Let me take the ASVAB test. Let me go to the MEP station. And let me take care of what I need to take care of so I can get on the first thing smoking out of here. He's like, okay. So I went. He just said, you're going to be going in a couple weeks um, to stay out of trouble. I was like. I can try that. But I did. I, I, I totally let go of all my family. My mom didn't know where I was. My stepfather, Carlos, didn't know where I was. The crew didn't know where I was. So it was one night, like, 
graduation, I met all my friends. We're sitting at the park, having a couple brews. Next thing you know, police rolls up on us, and we get busted for underage drinking. It was crazy. And I just stood there like, okay, there goes my life. And Randy Fields, he's a police officer. He's still a police officer in Lebanon. If you ever want to look him up, he'll tell you it's a true story. He said, Rob, you know, what are you doing out here? I was like, oh, I just have a couple beers. He goes, well, you seem nonchalant about it. And I wasn't. I got busted. I was dead to rights. You know what I mean? Whatever. You know, because I thought I was a big thing, a thug, whatever. But inside, I was scared. You know, and then uh, he goes to me, well, i got to write you a citation. And I just said, well, before you write that citation, I'm leaving into the Army in three weeks. The citation will just, like, boot me out of the program. I won't be able to do it. So he goes, okay, I'm going to take you to your recruiter. So he took me to my recruiter. He, I had the business card. We went to my recruiter's house at night. He goes, is he going in the military? He goes, yeah, he is. Here, here's his orders. So he pulled my orders. He goes, okay. So Randy Fields goes, if I see you out in the street, before you leave, I'm going to turn in this citation. And I was just like, wow. There is a God, you know, not even knowing God, you know, it was just, it was just amazing that my journey, how people came into my life and poured into my life as little as it is or as big as it is, they poured in either good or bad. People were in my life, but I chose different ways, but I had opportunity The people who wanted to do good in my life were the people who wanted to see me succeed. So my recruiter said, okay. Took me out to a barracks at 40 and in town gap. Well, he, he goes, got me in some uh, BDU, some fatigues, got me some hygiene products. You're staying out here. All you're going to do is work out until the plane comes, until you go to the Harrisburg airport to go to Fort Knox, Kentucky for basic training. So went to basic training, right? And I was like, okay, my life is good. I'm away from this. I finally called my sister. And I say, hey, Rosa, this is what I did. I had to go, whatever. And she goes, Robert, thank God you did. Because I was always with my stepfather. He got busted. And I was always with him at the Hershey Hotel with two kilos of cocaine. I was 18 at the time, guys. He got sentenced 17 to 21 years. I would have got the same thing. I would have been 30-some years old by the time I got out. But then I, re- you know, I was like, wow. You know, how things intervene. So I go in the military. I I performed well in the military because it was high speed. It was low drag. I liked the combat aspect of it. I was a tanker, you know, and and I loved it being out in the field. I loved shooting guns. I loved doing that. I succeed. But when I got to my first duty station, I ran into characters who were just like me that who were just running. And I got into the same old thing. So I spent four years in the military. Then I got out because I did not want to get a dishonorable discharge. But while I was in the military, I was in El Paso, Texas on Dyer Street. (laughs) Dyer Street. And uh, there was a gentleman that uh, he was carrying a wooden cross with a wheel on it, carrying it. And I'm coming out of the bar drunk with my crew. We're just like, and my friends were like laughing at him. And I was like, man, don't laugh at him. He's doing something for a purpose here. And he comes up to me. He goes to me like this. He goes, when are you going to carry your cross? 
And I didn't know what that meant. And he just said, God loves you. He died for you. That's the first time I was heard the gospel. But I was like, okay, that's a good thing. That's not for me. Because I was bigger than life. I thought I was bigger than God. So that was a great experience with that gentleman. I talked to him for a little bit. You know, and that was the seed that was sowed in my journey in life about Jesus. You know, I was like, wow, okay. So my next part, when I was in the military, I was leaving, and I was coming home. The people who hand out the Gideon Bibles, those little Bibles, he goes, here, I was in the airplane, read this. This will set you free. The Word of God will set you free. I was like, all right, so I got it. I put it in my duffel bag. I put it in there. I was like, okay. Then I just started reading it. I started reading. I didn't understand the word of God because I wasn't born again. I wasn't filled with the spirit yet. So I didn't understand. I was like, wow, these are just fairy tales. They're just stories that people wrote. That's what I thought. (laughs) That's what I thought. So I get back out of the military. My stepfather's in jail. My mom's running the business now. And I love my mom. I would do anything for my mom. I've seen her struggling. You know, I've seen her making money illegally with, with the stepfather, but then she struggled when he went away. I met my wife at the time, too. My wife was a born-again Christian. I was, we were unequally yoked, but I loved her. I loved her, and it was crazy, but then I was doing some stuff for my mom. And the one day, I, I, she went into my room, and she found little packages of eight balls, what we called them. We would sell them out in the street for like 300 bucks a piece. And she found it, and she flushed it. And she said, if you want to be with me, you got to stop this. And I was like, okay. But I say, I love my mom. She goes, but you got to stop. And she's like, you know, she would tell me God loves you. She would plead the blood of Jesus over me, and I would get freaked out. <laughs> I didn't understand. I thought it was gross. I, didn't, I was ignorant. I didn't understand. She would speak the blood of Jesus, and her, our, our spiritual mother would come. And while I was out working, getting a, uh, a job, we were on welfare, getting food stamps. My mom, I told my mom I couldn't do that because I, I was working on my family here. She would provide us with stuff, TVs microwave, furniture, all that stuff. And my wife didn't like it, but I'm like, hey, I can't afford these things. We need help, you know. So one Mother's Day, I said to my wife, what do you want for Mother's Day? And she said to me, I want you to go to church with me. I was like, that's not my thing. Let me buy you something. She goes, you can't buy me anything. So went to church with her. I was, like, sitting back there. I had a green shirt on, and this gentleman from Mexico came up, and he was talking about what that gentleman was talking about with the cross, about Jesus, that how he he was the word, he became flesh, how he walked this earth healing people, and how people persecuted him. And I was thinking to myself, why would somebody persecute somebody like that who was doing good? I didn't understand it. And then they, they, they tacked him to a cross. And, I mean, he was very graphic with it. I could, I, I just had a vision right there that I could feel Jesus being built, beat. I could feel the nails going into his hands, into the wood. It was just like an extreme 
it was just extreme what happened to me that day. And he goes to me, you in the green shirt. And I'm looking around. I'm the only one with a green shirt. He goes, God is bigger than you. Then he started. Now we want to prophesy things that are good, you know. But he was prophesying me, God knows you did this, 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 and that. But he's saying he's bigger than you, that you need to repent. So I was like, okay, you know. Then he started telling me that God loves me. So next thing you know, I'm up, <laughs> receiving the Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit that day. That day they, like, just prayed for me. They just loved on me, and I did not know what love was because the way I grew up being molested, fighting with people, just fighting for, just like trying to hurt people because that's what I did. And people were telling me that they loved me. They didn't even know me. They didn't know what they did, but you know what? They seen who I could be because who I received. It was crazy. So we were still, you know, I, I stepped after I was born again, I filled up my car with everything that my mother had given me. I made a couple of trips. I gave it to her. My mom was angry with me. So I gave it to her because I had to separate. Because darkness and light cannot be in the same place because the light was winning over in my life. The light of Jesus. So I separated. It was a hard thing that I had to do. Me and my kids were happy. You guys ever watch Rugrats? Every night, you know, I was working at a print shop, just, you know, making minimum wage, and I would come home, give the kids a bath. I was like, wow, everything's doing good, you know. And when that song, my kids would go, Rugrats! And then we'd come down, and we'd be sitting right there, my daughter Maria, my daughter Antonia, my son Robert, my wife, and we were sitting in the road just watching Rugrats as a family. It was great. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. So then a gentleman from the church came and prophesied to me. He goes, he came, he seen I didn't have any furniture. He goes, I didn't even have a college degree. I had a high school diploma. But he said to me, you, say, you think you're not qualified, but God says you're qualified. He said, apply for those positions that you're not qualified for and see what God can do for you. So I was like, okay. Because I was at a church that they named it and claimed it. <laughs> But I didn't know sonship. I didn't know what a son was. So I named it and claimed it, and God was good. He First, he got me into uh, being an activities director at Cornwall Manor, and I was there with elderly people praying for them, loving on them. You know what I mean? How The best I knew how. And, you know, and then they told me there that I was too radical for Jesus because then I started talking about to the staff about Jesus, and they were getting offended, so they fired me. But that was okay because God opened another door to Foot Locker in the sales, which I'm in now. And in sales, I'm very prosperous in sales. So I got into Foot Locker. I became an assistant manager. became a manager. Then a jewelry company comes up and says, hey, man, you're doing a great job. We want to recruit you. I was like, okay, great. So I was working for a jewelry, you know, work for a jewelry company, and I would pray, God, hey, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. God blessed me, he blessed me, he blessed me, he blessed me. I was making money, making money, making bonuses, doing really well. But then I was asking God for this, 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 and that. But I wasn't giving anything back. (laughs) 
So then my life started falling apart. I got back into uh, wearing a shirt and tie, wearing a suit, smoking weed before I went to work running a $2 million store. And I was like, wow. Then other people came and recruited me to work for a Fortune 500 company. I did really great. I was doing good. I was prospering, prospering. I was buying everything I needed. We built a house in 2000 from the ground up. No one in my family ever did that because God is good. And, uh, but my marriage was falling apart. It was falling apart because I wasn't loving my wife the way Christ loved the church. I was loving the money. I was loving the, the fame. I was loving the trips that her and I went and were going to. And she would go reluctantly because she goes, you're prideful. You're arrogant. And I was. I was. You know, and I was forgetting about God who, you know, Jesus who saved me, the blood of Jesus. You know, so 2008. My wife said, I'm leaving you. I'm not in love with you no more. You're not the person that I met or the person who you you gave yourself to Christ. I was devastated because my family was, I was working for my family. You know what I mean? I was being successful, but I wasn't paying attention to my family. I was like, here, here's new cell phones. Here's laptops. Here, here's money. Go. Do what you want to do. I was walking away, walking away, walking away from God again. Then 2008, my life just spun out of control 2008. I was, uh, like I said, addicted on Ativan. I would go to my doctor. I went, get him filled once a week because I was eating him like candy. And he goes, you need help. I said, no. This is (laughs) my exact words. I told him, I said, Dr. Muhammad. I have Blue Cross Blue Shield. <laughs> I have great insurance. I work for a Fortune 500 company. I make six figures a year. You're going to fill my prescription. And he goes, no, I'm not. I was like, well, I'll go to another doctor. So he sent a blast out to the whole medical community around the area. I was set an appointment, and they're like, no. So that came up to March of 2010 when I heard You know, my friend, when I was like, God, you got to be real in my life. Because I didn't want to lose my family. Because my family was very important to me. And my wife wanted to leave me. So that Sunday, she took him to the the basketball games and everything. And I came here and, you know, God breathed life into me. And God said, hey, listen, if you love me. I'll show you how to love your wife. So I was like, what? I heard it in my spirit. Because it says, you know, love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and you'll be able to love your neighbors. My wife was my neighbor. So I said to my wife, I was like, man, I had an encounter. It was crazy. I was like, I'm dedicating my life to the Lord. And she goes to me, yeah, right. So I was like, okay. So I just stood on what God had told me, the Holy Spirit, what I heard him tell me, that just keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, going up for prayer, just like just keep pressing in because he was pressing back into me. I let go of all those other things. That day when I came here, I was set free. 
I was set free from Ativan. It's crazy. Set free at the time. I was like, wow. I didn't know what was going on. And God is a God of miracles. So I go, my wife goes, you look funny. <laughs> I was just zonked by the Holy Spirit. So I would just come up every Wednesday. Then when we had thundering Thursdays, I'd be up here thundering Thursdays, you know, just listen to people prophesy, you know, because I dug a ditch. I dug a ditch. And I was like a stubborn mule, a mule. And dirt was just being thrown on me. And I was like, no, greater is him who, who lives in me than he is in the world. And I would just like, shake yourself. Shake yourself. So I would just kept shaking myself. Kept shaking myself. And I, I would just like speak scriptures. I would look in the mirror and just prophesy over myself. Because I was doing what I was hearing people telling me to do. So I was like, okay. I would do it. So I was just prophesying over myself. I was prophesying over my family. I was prophesying over my wife that my marriage will be blessed because God blessed it. God put me together with her. Next thing you know, I'm walking out of the sanctuary. I just got, came up and got a big fatherly hug from Pastor Charles. And it felt like he held me. I was like rededicated my life to the Lord. It felt like he held me for hours. And my wife was sitting in the back of the sanctuary, and she said that she could feel a wave of love just crashing in on her. Just crashing in on her. So we sat back there at the sanctuary till like 2, 2, 33 o'clock. She goes, you were doing what you said you were doing. Because I was lying to her before about other things, and she believed me. So, hey, we still had to work through some issues because you can't conquer what you don't confront and you can't confront what you don't identify. So there was things in our marriages that we, our marriage that we had to conquer, that we identified. Next thing you know, my wife and I were getting up at five o'clock in the morning, doing devotionals to each other, just loving on each other, loving on God, loving on each other, you know, just spending our time, you know, and just getting filled and just getting filled with the love of God. And just because I was able to let God love me and receive his love, so I was able to love other people. It was amazing because I never hugged people until I came to this place. <laughs> I never hugged people. Then I would see somebody who was hurting, and I would, go, I would go over and hug them and just hold on to them. I got an anointing hug, so if you need a hug, let me know. <laughs> And people would just be like, wow, what's up with you? You know, because before people would hug me, I'd be like this, like, I'm macho. I'm Puerto Rican. We don't hug. We just dap. We just dap, vato. You know what I mean? We just give high fives. That's it. You know? But, <laughs> but you know what? It was, it was just amazing just, you know, how, what God's love will do for you. And I had one of my friends you know, came up to me, said, Rob, stay filled. I was like, I will. <laughs> so just staying filled. I love being in God's presence. Like when Dylan was talking about, hey, just uh, picture yourself with being with the Lord. And I pictured myself being the apostle John, the one that Jesus loved, that I was reclining with him and feeling his heartbeat. Boom, 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 boom.
You're amazing. So are you. God, I worship you. I bless you. I bless you back, my son. That's what the Lord was telling me. I was just like totally wrecked, totally song. So right there, that's like 40 years of my life. And, and I miss some things because I don't want to get really graphic with things. But God is good. Just remember, he gives you free will. But keep your heart open. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And just listen to that small voice. Just listen. Be obedient. I, just, I heard of somebody go with radical transformation comes radical obedience. So right now, I'm, if God tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. Because that's what I want to do. Because I want to be in his will, not in my will. Because I ran in my will for such a long time. How much time? Okay. Hey, listen, I would like to pray for anybody who needs prayer, who needs anything broken off of them, who needs a hug, who just wants that radical, that radical God crashing in on them, feeling the love of God. Come on. Let me pray for you. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah, guys, why don't you just stand up? That was amazing. Um, something that I just want to highlight, too, like, this is, this is raw, this is real, this is what the power of God does in a life. This is, what it's, this is what it looks like when somebody gets hit with the light, like the beaming light of the hope of the calling that comes through Jesus Christ and uh, totally transforms you. And the thing that I want like, just to um, be aware of and realize is that Robert has an incredible uh, impartation of tenacity to impart to people tonight. That if you've ever felt like, man, I don't have what it takes. I don't know what it is like to, to seek God or whatever. He's, he's literally just doing what God says. Okay? And he's like this pit bull that's just like, I'm just hanging on to every word that God says exactly. And I'm not letting go. So if you say, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you, he's saying, okay, well, I'm coming. I don't know where you're at, but I'm going to find you somehow. And if you want that tenacity, I think that you should come and get prayer. Another thing is, if you've got crazy stuff that's going on in your life, if your family life has been crazy, if your history is crazy, he's got an impartation for freedom. Okay, he's got an impartation for freedom. If, you're, if you've been angry, if you've been disappointed, if you've been mistreated, he's got an impartation for freedom. All right, so I think that almost, I'm pretty sure every single person fits in this category, but I want you to realize that there's real things that are available for you to receive in the Spirit tonight. A real power, a real tenacity, a real freedom that is, that is, being, that is this like prophecy that I was saying before we started that's available for you to reach out and grab, okay? Part of that looks like you coming up here and just letting them love on you, pray for you, give you a hug if that's what you're, if that's what you want. But God is going to do some amazing things. So um, there's going to be staff up here too that we can pray. I know a lot of you guys are going to want prayer from Robert. I, I do too. Um, so hang out as long as you can um, and receive prayer. But yeah, Lord, we just thank you for tonight. If you absolutely have to go, um, you can. 
Uh, if you want to grab a staff person on the way out, you probably won't be able to grab Robert because he's going to get packed really fast. But grab a staff guy or a girl if that's who you want to talk to and just have them pray for you quick. But Lord, we thank you for this promise, that this truth, that when you say something, God, you make good on it, that you're faithful even when we're not faithful, that you, God, draw near to us when we draw near to you. So Lord, I pray that you'd release this same hunger, this same fire, this same passion that's in Robert, that God, that you'd pour it out on each of us tonight, God, and that every single one of us where we need freedom, where we need direction, where we need your love to come and invade and show us how that how much you love us. If you're calling each of us to come close, to be that Apostle John, that one leaning on your chest, leaning into your love, God, I pray that you'd do it tonight, that you'd bring that freedom, that you'd bring that closeness, that you'd bring that love in Jesus' mighty name. All right, guys, come on up, get prayer. You got to go. You got to go. We love you. This podcast was recorded live at a Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.